and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy and Angel podcast, and I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And today we have a special guest back to talk about Spike and Spike. his element. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we got Claire in the house. Woohoo! Yay! Hi. Welcome back. Thanks. I'm so excited that you let me join you for this episode. It's one of my faves. I mean, this episode was so good. <laughs> so how's everybody? I'm pretty Fine. good. We just had a pretty long conversation about Claire refinishing furniture and getting good tips about it, but yeah. I think it's for the best that that's not in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, if anybody wants an explanation, uh, we, can, yeah. we can send you a direct email. Yeah, <laughs> if anyone needs tips about furniture refinishing or reupholstering. Yeah, oh. turns out Claire's turned into quite the uh, DIYer, so... Mm-hmm. I'm going to have the best arm muscles. My arms yeah. are so sore. <laughs> Is that from the sanding or from the pulling nails out? It's from pulling out, I must have pulled out like a thousand staples and I have a staple remover. Wow. It's just, just a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying not to cut myself. I'm terrified I'll get tetanus. Right. Well, then you should get your tetanus booster. (laughs) Is it every 10 years? It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm still in the 10 year window, but. Oh. 60-year-old staples, eh. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you, you found 51 cents, so. I did, I did. I kept finding quarters on the floor and wondering where they were coming from. I realized they were falling out of the upholstery, which was really interesting. I haven't even looked at the dates on them yet. That is really funny. Yeah. At least they were, um, I mean, quarters are, you know, more useful than other types of change. Yeah, I wasn't very excited about the penny. Yeah, who cares? Oh, a penny. That's an annoying. Where's the silver dollar? Yeah. It would have been nice. But what's crazy is that the previous owner didn't find that. I mean, it was deep in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh so these might be, like, from the first owner. I feel like maybe at the factory somebody was like, I'm going to hide <laughs> some change in here. <laughs> well, you should check those dates and get back to us. Yeah, if it's exciting, I'll send you a picture. It's yeah. probably it's probably not. It's probably from 1994. <laughs> yeah. Or it could that, be like a like a state quarter and you're like, "Hang a sec, hang on a second. <laughs> like that uh, so you you talking about things getting in there from the manufacturer reminded me of the weird one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me. It didn't actually happen to me, but um my old roommate one time ordered a new computer monitor cuz she was work she was working from home and so it like got delivered to our apartment. And in the box, I don't, I swear she ordered a new monitor, but maybe I never really pressed her that hard for details. It might've been, I don't think it was used though. Cause that would have been like, oh yeah, obviously this is what happened. But like in the box with her monitor was the kid's school pictures, like his set of school pictures. Oh my God. It was so weird. Also, he looked so sad and annoyed in his photos. Like they were really great photos. Like, we had it kind of up near our entry, entryway as little school photos. I always kind of felt bad, like, we should try and figure out whose it was, but, like, how the hell were we going to figure out who yeah. this belonged to? Like, how do you even start that? Yeah, That's exactly. somebody, you know what it probably was, was you can return... Oh, like every... Yeah. In, yeah. And it wasn't used, but it's, like, what they call, like, open box, mm-hmm. and so you can... They'll sell it right back to you. Right, like Somebody right. must have accidentally put in those yeah. school pictures. Yeah, or he and hated... I, I kind of... Yeah, I kind of think the kid hated them, and that was why he tried to get rid of them. <laughs> but it was just such a funny photo and, like, so weird, yeah. 
Oh, you uh, probably got in so much trouble. Yeah, I know. Oh. They were really funny, though. They like, really I remember funny. the first time I saw yeah. the apartment, I was like, like, what is that? Is that there? <laughs> I think we wanted to get it framed one day, but we didn't do it. Well, if she did it, it was after I moved out. I think part of the appeal is, like, it's sitting in the original packaging <laughs> that you true. get your school <laughs> photos just... in. <laughs> uh... It's definitely a conversation starter. I know. That's why I'm so good. He was kind of like the patron saint of our apartment. <laughs> I wonder how old he is now. Yeah. One time I saw a kid who kind of looked like him on the subway and I was like, oh my God, what if that's him? And then I was like, well, it's no, there's no way as an adult that I could go up to a child and ask him, hey, did you lose your school photos once? Like, Plus, how do you know he lives in New York? Right? Oh, exactly. It could have absolutely not been him. <laughs> what if he's a Buffy fan? Maybe he's listening. Thinking. Hey, if you're out there. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, today we're talking about something blue mm-hmm. and hero. Mm-hmm which I think is a wonderful doubleheader of Spike is fully back in the fold and Doyle leaves it. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I I think, yeah, this is like a 180 from last week. Like, I loved both of these episodes. And I'm yeah. very excited to talk about both of them. Hero, I, the more I was started watching it, I started remembering, oh, mm-hmm. this is, I remember so much about this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the ending of that episode, but we will talk about it yeah. in the second half of this. Right now we're doing something blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been nominated by the committee to do the <laughs> recap. <laughs> um, okay, so Willow is still, you know, really sad and depressed about Oz leaving, and um, she's kind of having these, like, emotional mood swings, and everybody's trying to be supportive, but also kind of trying to get her to, like, you know, um, stop wallowing, I guess. And mm-hmm. But also, like, everybody's busy. Like, Buffy's got slaying, and... Um, you know, Xander and Anya are um, getting closer, and Giles um, is trying to deal with having a house guest in the form of Spike. <laughs> so um, so Willow gets kind of fed up, and she decides she's going to do a spell to get rid of her emotional um, problems, essentially. Mm-hmm. Emotional shortcuts through magic. Mm-hmm. And um, she thinks it doesn't work. Like, she does the spell, but nothing really happens. But she, the spell is to have her will be done. So unbeknownst to her, the next day, like, she's casually tossing off lines to her friends, and it's making things happen. So um, she finds out, when she finds out that Oz, like, came for his stuff, and um, so he's, like, permanently gone now, she, like, kind of flakes on Giles, like, to mm-hmm. go do a truth spell on Spike. So Giles comes over to visit to find out if she's okay, and Willow gets kind of mad at him and says, like, you don't see anything. And so Giles starts to go blind. And then she's kind of angry that Buffy's trying to deal with Spike and says, why doesn't she just marry him? And Spike <laughs> proposes to Buffy. <laughs> and then she calls Xander a demon magnet and demons literally start attacking him everywhere he goes. So, and, oh, she very briefly frees Amy from her rat prison, <laughs> um, which is the saddest part of this whole it episode, really I think. <laughs> Because then she turns it right back. Um, but everyone it takes a while to find figure out what's going on. Um, you know, Giles is trying to basically see anything, and suddenly his slayer and his vampire prisoner are in love and making out in his living room. And um, <laughs> Xander and Anya are, like, trying to run from all these demons. But they figure out that Willow's the common link, mm-hmm. and um, they need to get her to undo the spell. But then 
Willow gets kidnapped by Tahofrin, who is the demon that turned Anya into a vengeance demon so many centuries ago. And he offers Willow a chance to become a vengeance demon because he's really impressed with her diabolical spell. And Willow at that point has no idea she's even doing a spell. Mm -hmm. Um, So Willow turns him down and she comes back in time to reverse the spell and save the day. But everyone's a little bit horrified by some of the consequences mostly Buffy (laughs) and Spike (laughs) and Spike yeah um because Buffy also had told Riley that she was getting engaged and there's a lot of ripple effects from that so it's a fun episode I love it I love this Um, episode it was just as good as I remembered if not better (laughs) I was just giggling the whole time Um, yeah like the little one-liners that they throw out and the whole Buffy Spike thing oh my gosh yeah, when they're planning the wedding, and she's like, "We're going to be a family." <laughs> I mean, she, it's funny because she's not. I, I mean, we could talk about Riley more, and I would like to, but um, <clears throat> you know, this episode kind of kicks off with like Buffy and Riley are now kind of starting to like plan dates together, and they're like getting closer. And I was watching the first couple of scenes, and I was like, "Man, you know, I could just. I'm really getting into Riley this watch this time around, and blah blah blah." And I was like. Literally being like, mm, maybe I do like Riley the most. And then like five minutes later, Buffy and Spike are like, not even before they even get engaged in the episode. And they're just like having a spat. And I was like, oh, that's right. This is why I'm a little bit drawn to this like relationship. Because like, they just do have so much tension. And it's just so funny. I don't know. I was just like, okay, that's that's right. That I'm not crazy for being like shipping them. It's a fun ship, you know, at least at this point in time. Like, it's just so dynamic yes they have a lot of chemistry yeah yeah because like riley's cute like i was watching that and i was like oh riley likes buffy yeah yeah yeah. oh she likes him too and willow's like oh daylight what a new venue yeah yeah for dating um and then spike is just takes the cake yeah he just kind of steals the scene a little bit or steals the episode not even a little bit i mean obviously him and buffy are the best part about this episode right I like when he's screaming, God, passions is on! That's yeah. <laughs> true. Oh, this is the first time we find out Spike loves soap operas. Or is but this a very specific deb- soap opera. Okay, question though. It, or is this the first time he's seen soap operas? Is this where he starts that addiction? Oh. Heart, I don't think good- he... Because mm, what else is... This is the first time he's been locked up with nothing to do except watch TV. Mm. <laughs> Although I do love now the this is the beginning of the running gag that Spike is very into passions, mm-hmm. um, which I remember <laughs> reading an interview once where Sarah Michelle Gellar was really into passions. Interesting. So I wonder if like she and Joss Whedon were like passions fans. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would kind of make sense. I I was a big passions fan. <laughs> is that embarrassing, Allie? You were too. I think we've talked about this before. That we, I don't know, but like we would come home and watch Passions. Mm. Oh, I've and never that, that soap opera was like bad, like bad crazy. <laughs> That's the it one where so it was like eventually fun. they did have like demons and like time travel or like bizarre things like that, right? From the first episode, there's a witch and oh, Timmy, okay. the guy that, that Spike on. is talking okay. about, Timmy being down the well. Timmy is a doll who was brought to life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was All very right. out there. I think it was supposed to be kind of like Dark Shadows, but funnier like oh interesting it was a lot more like your average soap opera and then all of a sudden somebody's talking about having visions of demons and you're like wait why are the walls bleeding (laughs) and and then and then the next scene is like two people having an affair you know okay it was it was a really interesting hybrid I guess it just feels like an appropriate reference for Buffy 
Oh, absolutely. Is this basically like what Buffy is? Is this soap opera with supernatural elements? If Spike is going to watch a soap opera, he's definitely going to be watching Passions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and, and also, interestingly, Passions was like a, a few of the actors who were on Passions are now like, um, like I think the guy on This Is Us, like one of the one mm. brother used to be on Passions. Hmm. Yeah, he was, he, he was he, the second. He was, Ethan yeah, Crane. he was Ethan number two. Yeah. <laughs> And then Ethan number one, and then his girlfriend on the show are married in real life. Interesting. And which, I think which one though? Because uh, there were multiple versions of Gwen. I think and the Gwen second number one, one. The second one was on Justified for a really long oh, time. Oh, that's the and, one that's married to him. Oh, who was she uh, on Justified? Was it in the she first was, two seasons? Uh, she was Winona. I don't remember the, enough about his that ex, show. I guess his his ex wife. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And mm. then, um, and then I think Ethan number two. And Teresa got married in real life, but I think they're divorced now. Hmm. And he was also on Smallville for a long time. I feel like I've heard people make pop culture references to Ethan 1 and Ethan 2, and they've been going over my head. I don't know where I've heard that, but I feel like five years from now, someone's going to say something and be like, oh, now I know that that's from Passion. <laughs> I don't, it was just really weird because they had multiple... Oh, you know who else was on that show? It was Jesse Metcalf, that guy that's from... That's right, um, yeah. From oh, picture John face. Tucker so, Must Die. And yeah. what was that housewife, Desperate Housewives? Yeah. yeah. That's right. He was Miguel. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, they, they did a lot of recasting and then the original person would come back. It was really weird. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> okay. And they did it like really early into the run too. Like it was like, it's been on for like a year and then it's like, oh, but hmm. it was kind of a sensation when it started because everybody was like, what is this show? Hmm. Um, and I remember one time I was like at the dentist and they were playing it and I hadn't watched it in a couple years and I was like, why are they shooting laser beams at each other? <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. So okay. that was our well, passion yeah. recap. For <laughs> so the- <laughs> back to Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's totally like, like what else is Spike doing, right? Like he's sitting in a bathtub, of course, yeah. he's watching soap operas. Um I guess that, but the open question is, did he start that when he was of his, living his free will life, or is this because he was trapped in a bathroom? Either answer is funny to me. Yeah, I don't know, because we've never (laughs) really heard him talk about his stories before, Mm -hmm. but... But we weren't spending as much time with him before. It's true, yeah. Hmm. And and Um, did did they ever explain why is he in the bathroom? I think it was just the easiest place to, like, get him thoroughly chained to something. I was just the whole time yeah. I was very confused. Charles <laughs> is like, I want to take a shower. I'm like, well, you put him in the bathtub. Yeah. I mean, he's got multiple rooms in that house. I was just a little confused. Well, by that. you know what? Also, actually, I there was one shot in this episode where it made it kind of look like Giles's bed is like in a, just a loft, open loft. I actually don't uh, know that there's another bedroom. I think it might be the living room, the bathroom, and then there's like an upstairs that overlooks it. Uh, I could have been wrong, but I felt like they kind of panned up for a second. I was like, oh, you just No, you're like a right. Loft. They did. It's like a loft situation. Because I noticed it, um, they kind of like panned mm-hmm. out, and it's like just a bed up there. So yeah. maybe it's the only other place that he can put him behind a door. Is anyone else surprised that Giles still lives there? No. Because like, Ginny was <laughs> murdered there. Oh, yeah. Oh, good point. Yes, then. Maybe he owns it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I would think real estate in Sunnydale would be cheap. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people are dying all the time constantly. And, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I guess uh, they didn't want to build a new set for Giles' yeah. apartment. But they, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, it does seem weird. That Maybe he still we're just there. supposed to forget about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. So, <laughs> so <laughs> if that helps. 
Um, okay. I want to talk about Riley more. Okay. Um, mostly just, I, yes, obviously Spike ultimately stole this show from him, I think in at least this episode. Um, but like I said, the first several scenes that are just Riley and Buffy are just, they were really charming and really sweet. You know, he's there, (laughs) he's like helping people on campus hang up their sign, which side note is a lesbian Alliance sign, which is clearly a foreshadow. Um, but it's like, it's nice to see, I think. Yeah. Like it is nice to see Buffy interested in somebody who's like, a nice person who's like at least trying to do more like on the face good work. You know, I guess Angel was a good guy, but he was so shady about it. I don't know. I'm not doing, I'm not making a good case for it, but yeah. Riley's the first normal guy. Yeah. Like has a, they had a real conversation, right? It, It was like, not about evil, not about demons. He was just like, I think you're pretty. And she mm-hmm. was like, oh, you do? Mm-hmm. And, and he it's less going for slimy drives. than, you know, and it's much less slimy than what Parker was doing, right? Which was like hitting some cliche lines at her. Not to say that Riley, I mean, Riley did call her beautiful, but like, I, I don't know. It just, it does, did feel a lot more natural. Like they've, we've seen them getting to know each other slowly over the whole season so far. So now when they're having this conversation, it doesn't feel forced. It just feels like oh yeah they're now realizing that they're interested in each other and they're like kind of flirting i don't know i thought it was cute i am a big riley fan that's right i'm becoming more of one this this time around i think because like i'm taking my time to really appreciate like riley was one of the good ones (laughs) (laughs) i love when they have their picnic and he's just like i like driving and like you know we should go sometime and like Mm -hmm. it's like this normal thing that buffy's never encountered like (laughs) angel's not gonna like offer to take her for a drive somewhere you know he has had this cool car the whole time apparently yeah but where are you gonna take it at night you know when you gotta fight evil true um the other funny thing about that scene i have in my own life referred to myself as an avid pedestrian and i don't think i realized that i got it from buffy but that was something that she said about herself because she doesn't have her driver's license still. And I, like, she said that, and I was like, oh, that's where I stole that from. <laughs> oh, I say that all the time. Yeah. I must have gotten okay. that from yeah. here, too. <laughs> we probably both took it from here. I, I mean, a lot of my speech patterns have come from Buffy. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, part of this, like, the interactions with her and Riley, I love it. But, like, also, like, watching this right after I Will Remember You is, mm. like, a little bit heartbreaking on some yeah. level. Because Buffy has no idea. Yeah. But... But it's also kind of like we got that fresh break. So, like, I'm totally ready to see her, like, being Move charmed along. by Riley. Yeah. 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 Um, and poor Riley when he runs into Buffy and she's telling him all about Spike. And, <laughs> <laughs> and her, sa- her save afterwards is a little bit flimsy, but I think... It is, but... Yeah, and that scene is also funny because I feel like Riley handles it as well as anybody could. So, yeah. like, I am impressed with how well he held it together, but it's, like, such a weird situation that you're like, man, I don't, yeah. I don't know how he, how she comes back from that. <laughs> so, well, I think as soon as she said his name is Spike, it was right. sort of like, uh, okay, I don't know what's <laughs> happening here. <laughs> He's, like, totally old. <laughs> yeah. Um, poor Riley. I like Riley. Yeah. You know what I kept thinking of watching this, though? Was it was really interesting that all of this is happening while Willow is going through yeah um, Oz leaving and Buffy's trying to be there for her 
But I kept thinking the whole time, like, Buffy really doesn't understand what Willow is going through. Because Willow just lost, like, a real a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Buffy, Buffy's heartbreak is, like, on an epic scale. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't know what it's like to lose the person that you go get breakfast with. And that you go right. and meet up in the afternoon for coffee. And they're, like, also your best friend and your partner. Yeah. And, I was just thinking, like, what Willow is going through is so much worse. Yeah. In some in some ways. That's interesting. Um, Plus, she I doesn't have the, that. like, there's no, like, uh, there's no, um, what's the, what's the word? Like, she can, she doesn't get to also at least feel, not smug, but, like, satisfied that she saved the world with this decision. You know what I mean? Like, at yeah. least also Buffy knows that she was right for what she has to do with Angel, whereas... For Willow and Oz, it really is just a situation where people grow apart for a variety of reasons. So it's like, you can't even, it's not even like she did this for the greater good and that's why she's suffering. She's just suffering because it happens. And also Willow was a little bit more passive in the decision. Like Angel did choose to leave town, but as soon as he kind of explained it and Buffy realized it, like she was definitely like, you're right, like Mm, this mm -hmm. needs to happen. And I think she's sort of, now in her version of events, like she's sort of like confirmed that on her last visit to L.A., um, but you're right, like, Willow, I mean, you know, Oz just was like, nope, this is what's happening, and, like, you know, Willow gets left behind, so. Well, that's the difference. It's not that they can't be together. Yeah, yeah. it's that he chooses not choosing. to be. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. I was, and it I, is, was, I was just like, this is so much worse. Yeah. And I do want to give everybody credit, but I, I kind of am on Willow's side, too, where, like, I do feel like they're not being understanding enough about it. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. they don't, like... They don't understand. Well, and especially that, like, yeah, sure, maybe now it's been a month and she should be starting to move on, but the day that she walks in there and finds out that he sent for his stuff, like, yeah, that's going to throw you back into it for a day or two, you know, before you can kind of get back into, like, a a more mellow state. And I do feel, yeah, like, yeah, Buffy needs to do her Slayer duties. And no, nothing that anybody says is wrong, but, I, but I'm ultimately on Willow's side, that they are just trying to force her to get through it because they don't want to deal with it anymore, not really because they're being understanding friends. Right. I don't know. I, I, I agree. And did you have the thought, like, at the beginning when she walked into Oz's room and all this stuff was there, I just thought, he just left that stuff there for yeah. her to clean up? I didn't remember that he was going to then get his stuff. So right, I'm watching right. it thinking, like, God, Oz, like, what a dick. <laughs> like, you left your stuff. And then I was like... Oz lived in the dorms. That seems like an odd um, development for him. He didn't seem the type. Yeah, but that's true. Well, he was in a house with the band on campus. Oh, oh okay, yeah. okay. I also thought it was a dorm, but that makes yeah, more sense. I was, yeah, I was like very confused how she got in there, and then I was confused of like, where, what is uh, his roommate thing? Yeah, where's his roommate? Still there. <laughs> well, even <laughs> if he was in the dorm, we've established that dorm is very easy to get into. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I know. I'm that is like my biggest sticking point of this entire season is like, the way it's people get city, into the dorm. It's, it's dorms are really city. like that, Allie. They're really like that. I've seen them. I've been in them myself. <laughs> I just like, I can't get over it. It's also it's not a TV l- trope. L- late it's 90s, thing. like, or early 2000s. Like, the, the security was a lot less extreme back then. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick to my, my point on this. Like, no, it's just weird. <laughs> literally, the UCs are like that. I I was just like I was just having a like a stream of consciousness when that was happening I was like oh I can't believe he left his stuff oh why does Oz live in the dorms that seems really weird how did she get in there oh well they've talked about that I don't know and then I was just like oh and then and then and then the next scene is like he took all his stuff and I was like oh okay 
Um, it's so, not relevant. Um, I think my one of my favorite parts of this whole episode is when Buffy asks Giles to give her away. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so comedic because it's like, in the midst of this crazy thing, and Giles has this moment where he's like sincerely Genuinely touched, touched. Yeah. and then he like realizes what's happening, and he's like, "No, no, no!" Like, yeah. he, he's like he's like going along with it for like a split second because he's so honored. But then, and it's like that scene was so perfect to me because it's like this very real moment between the mm-hmm. two of them until the one who actually knows what's going on is like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Like, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did write that down too. Where I'm like, oh, this episode is so absurd, but they managed to squeeze like one nice, re- really genuine, sentimental moment out of it. Oh, I also so love nice, how though. Buffy is convinced that the spell skipped her, like she's yeah. immune because of her <laughs> yeah, slayer powers. Because of her slayer powers, and then she's like making out with Spike. <laughs> like, we, yeah, we're so lucky. I forgot what she said exactly, and they're all just looking at her yeah. like, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess it's kind of funny that I. I think this is a point that could certainly be disagreed with, but in the beginning of the episode, after um, Buffy and Riley are talking, you know, she and Will are talking about Riley and how he's normal and how they can go out in the daylight and blah, blah, blah. But then Buffy kind of gives a speech about how, like, well, I always kind of thought that love was this more passionate thing and it wouldn't, you know, she's kind of drawing a distinction between, like, being attracted to bad boys and, like, being attracted to Riley. Um, I kind of think that the episode is on the latter side because, like, I guess it... uh, just kind of going back to my earlier point, I just feel like they're saying, and I myself am like, when Riley's on screen, I'm really for it. But as soon as they switch to something that has more passion in it, it is so easy to just get sucked into it where you're like, oh, right. I guess I would much rather watch Buffy and Spike fight on screen sarcastically with one another than probably watch her have go on a drive with Riley, (laughs) you know, romantic as it might be like, it's much less entertaining. Yeah, like, there is something to Buffy saying Riley is really stable, which mm-hmm. you're kind of like, yay? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I think when your first taste of romance is life, literally life and death, mm-hmm. that's kind of boring. Yeah, it's going to be hard to come back from that. Yeah, and it's like, obviously, this is not what I practice or believe in my real life, but I think in TV, I'm kind of also like, yeah, you should go with the one that's passionate. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that they just definitely, I mean, I like Riley as a character, and I, I've said this before, I think he's the best real-life mm-hmm. boyfriend. Oh, that's right, but you were, they, I forgot, mm-hmm, Claire, yeah, you were totally Team Riley. I was, yeah. but they they kind of start planting the seeds from the very beginning, sure. it's like, Buffy's gonna try this, she's gonna try normal, but ultimately, it's not going to be what she wants, like, that's just not... She's not going to yeah. go out and kill a bunch of vampires and come home to, like, a home-cooked meal from the Iowa farm boy. It's just not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not going to happen. It's interesting, um, too, because I feel like then this is sort of an extension of what I was complaining about last week, where, like, so we get this episode where Angel turns human, and they are, at least for the day, both of them believe that, like, great, now all of our problems are solved and we can live and have a life together. And I think my question was, like, well, once Angel's regular, you know, where does that really leave you? And in some ways, Riley kind of is that exact thing. He is, because he's fighting evil as a human. Yeah, he's doing everything. So he's, like, in the same war, doing all this stuff, he's just not a tortured vampire about it. And Buffy ultimately decides... Not to stay with him. Well... Well, okay, okay yeah. you're right. She doesn't, but like, but, I guess but you're she right. behaves in a way that drives him away eventually. So I mean, and obvi- I think I, I think I I think we're probably all on the same page about like I'm not sure that I agree with the choices that they ultimately make for Riley and Buffy in that situation. So 
But I, I know say, it would have been so much better if she just said, "I'm bored." Right. It would way more realistic. But I yeah. guess that yeah, I guess at that point, I still believe that ultimately she wouldn't be able to stay with Riley long term. And I think that the same thing would have happened with Human Angel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just interesting, like all the parallels that are happening. You know, you have um, if you count that last episode of Angel, you guys are talking about it's the Buffy Angel parallel within Buffy starting this relationship with Riley and then you see the end of Willow's relationship mm-hmm. and then you have the fake relationship with Buffy and Spike mm-hmm. and what all of those look like yeah you can kind of see like in that scenario what Buffy would naturally go for yeah and it's not necessarily what we would all say is the right decision but <laughs> yeah, I think yeah yeah <laughs> from a character perspective like I agree with you like the scenes with Spike even when they're in love, they're just fighting constantly and yelling at each other. And it's funny. It's hilarious. It's, I was just giggling while watching it. I mean, even before they, like I said, before they get engaged and she's just trying to feed him some blood in the bathtub, like that scene was hilarious. (laughs) You know, like she's taunting him in a very flirty way, but also like Spike is drinking blood out of a mug that says kiss the librarian. Like the whole thing was just like, yeah, this is good TV. (laughs) Poor Giles. Poor Giles. Yeah, Giles really got the worst of it in that he whole did. scenario. Although, fortunately, he was blind, so he didn't have to see them making out. But yeah, I love but it when he was like, I can worse. hear the smacking. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting because, like, I, you know, I haven't been watching these in order like you guys have. And I, um, I think when the first time I came on the podcast, I, I watched maybe, like, the first few seasons just not every episode mm-hmm. but the ones that I wanted to and this is this is around the um the part where I, I kind of stopped watching because I kind of had enough mm-hmm. but um Spike's the like the truth teller and it's really oh yeah funny to watch him come in that role and you know he's the one that says um, of course Willow is not fine mm-hmm. like you guys are insane yeah and then he just like he just pops up throughout the episode with these little one-liners like just I think he said something to Xander about demons and, or maybe I thought he would, I don't know, but it it was kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 No, I was thinking the same thing again. He's like really solidifying his role as like replacement Cordelia by being the one who's like, yeah, obvious. Like he doesn't care at all about Willow, but he's the only one who can see what's actually happening. (laughs) Maybe because he doesn't care, you know, makes it a little more obvious or something. Yeah, like, I think it's not that they're, like, her friends are so horrible that they're just like, oh, she's fine. It's, like, it's just easier to pretend she's fine because, like, you don't want her to not be fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Spike doesn't really care whether she's fine or not. So he's just like, yeah, no, she's she's totally tortured over this whole thing. Yeah. Um, So speaking of Willow, I I think this is a good time to just kind of... (laughs) To circle back to our, I think, what is the thesis of this podcast, which is uh, something about Willow's relationship with magic and how the problems always come about when she uses it as a shortcut for emotional problems versus as a solution to, you know, actual supernatural problems. I think this is like a prime example. You know, she's hurting and that's the thing that she's going to try and solve. So not only is she trying to solve something with magic that really probably couldn't or shouldn't be solved with magic, but she's performing the spells when she's feeling really unstable. And so I think that it was interesting because, uh, yeah, I also was kind of watching this and I was like, how did this spell go so wrong? And then I was like, oh, because Giles, Giles comes on screen and says, like, you shouldn't be doing this when you're not, like, 
when you don't have it together and it's like, oh, well, that's probably why this spell went so awry because she didn't have her emotion, not necessarily emotions, but like she just wasn't focused when she cast the spell. Right, exactly. Like we get that lesson the very first time Willow's showing Buffy how to float a pencil is like Mm -hmm. she's saying, you know, it's all about emotional, like focusing your emotions. Mm -hmm. And like we've seen this before where like Willow is unable to, because like her emotions are all over the place, like, this is not, like, even if she thinks she's in control, like, underneath, she's not. And mm-hmm. so she shouldn't be doing these spells. But also, it's, like, a fascinating thing of Willow never learns the difference between the utility of magic right. for fighting evil and the utility of magic for solving all your problems. Because, right. like, we go from Willow suggesting a truth spell or someone mm-hmm. suggesting a truth spell to yeah, Spike, it is Willow, and Giles yeah. is like great idea like we should have thought, thought of that, that. yeah like, and and willow kind of gets a pat on the back for like right. magic comes in and saves the day but then immediately she wants to apply that to her own life and like mm-hmm. giles tries to say like that's you know or he doesn't know that that's what she's doing but like it, it yeah. doesn't it, it doesn't transfer in the same way like you know right. it's just really dangerous to think like oh because i can use magic to solve this problem then therefore i can use it to solve this problem yeah and, and that's a lesson that willow never really learns until it's too season. late yeah and it's interesting too because the also not only is she doing this spell at all but when she's later i forget who she was talking to but she was kind of i think it must have been buffy and she was giving a rundown of like why she's such a bad witch because she can't get these spells to work and all the things that she listed she was like oh i couldn't make oz stay with me and i couldn't cast the spell on baruka and it's like well i don't know willow i don't think those are the things that you should have been doing anyway like it's not a, a sign that you're a bad witch that you didn't cast a spell to force oz to love you you know that just means that you still have like a moral compass as a person not not that not it was a failure an unsuccessful as a witch, witch. Yeah. yeah i mean and buffy kind of makes that point but she too doesn't yeah, I guess this is another situation where we're doing, like, helpful to have Spike around for this conversation to be like, hey, you nitwit, don't <laughs> stop doing the spells for these reasons and only do them for these other ones. Like, even Buffy doesn't either, I think, really realize what the danger is. I think I think they get that a little bit at the end because the demon says to her, you know, you're doing such a great mm-hmm. job ruining everybody's life. And she's like, I'm not trying to do that. And she kind of realizes that magic has consequences. But I agree with you guys, you know, from what I remember, especially the later seasons, it, it just becomes, oh, I have a problem. I'll just fix it with magic. Mm-hmm. And she kind of stops doing things the hard way. But I still feel like even if she does learn a lesson from Deha- she I, I feel like what we see her do over and over again maybe is like accept that ma- magic is dangerous, but not accept the underlying point that it's only dangerous when you're trying to make it do things it shouldn't. So she's still now I think she's kind of just like, well, maybe I shouldn't do anything. But like, that's also not the lesson. The lesson isn't that you can't ever do it. It's that you can't do it in these ways. And I feel like she never really puts those parts together. It's crazy what looking back how early they laid the groundwork for all. Of yeah, that. yeah. I mean, it's even before this episode, too, because Allie and I have talked about it before. Where we're like, man, pretty much from the day one when they have her start using magic, it's always got this kind of caveat to it. And I think Giles is the only one who really understands the danger. Yeah. But he's, because Giles mm-hmm. is now a little bit more re- removed exactly. from their day-to-day. Like, he's just not aware. Yeah, I was going to say that. Whereas, like, he is the one that, t- in this episode, gives uh, uh, Willow, theoretically, like, the correct... Spe- you know, he's, he gives her the speech, and he's not wrong about anything he's saying. But he, yeah, he just doesn't see as much of what she's trying to do, I think, to step in. I mean, and to be fair, I think Willow wants to rebel against him a little bit. You know, he is kind of the father figure to the whole group, not just to Buffy. And I think she maybe would have ignored him anyway. (laughs) Okay, one other detail that I want to point out for some reason is that uh, 
early on, early on in the episode, Spike does escape from Giles' apartment. And when he runs out the door, he grabs his jacket from like the coat rack. But for some reason, I thought that was really <laughs> hilarious. Like not only that he needs to grab, I get it makes sense to me that Spike would grab his jacket because like he, you know, it's part of his like cool guy look or whatever. But like, why did they hang up his coat on the coat rack? It kind of seems like they were being very nice to him. <laughs> or somebody just had a sense of manners that even though it was Spike, they couldn't get past. <laughs> it needs to be in its proper place. Um, I did not notice that. <laughs> um, Where did he go when he ran out? I so forget. he tried to run away, but then that was another spell oh, that, that was another accidentally spell cast. Will, yeah. Oh, she'll probably find him in two seconds. And then they're just yeah. standing there next to each other on the lawn. <laughs> uh, that was a great comedic payoff, too. And that was a good, I was going to bring that other point, bring up that last point, which is that also the whole reason that Spike is still with them is that in theory, he has information about the commandos and they're trying to get it out of him. Um, but I, I guess that's kind of just an interesting thing. He, in that scene where he, he and Buffy, he accidentally runs right back into Buffy's hands. Um, he explains that like, oh, this is on campus right here is where I came out of the lab. So it's on campus. If the, if maybe the, I think the Scoobies maybe didn't know that part before. Is that right? Okay. No, that's right. You're right. That kind of went over my head a little bit. Mm. That he was like actually giving her information. Yeah. Because I couldn't tell if he was purposely withholding information or he just didn't know. I mean, he, I think, well, he, he I think said, it was both. Yeah. He said, I don't want to tell you everything and then you'll kill me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. So, I think, yeah, he's trying to figure out how to stay alive in the situation and they're just trying to get out whatever they can from him. Plus, I think he also knows he needs them, too, because he can't kill anything himself. Yeah, that's a good point. He's being very manipulative. And they're being very accommodating. I mean, I really do think they should just have probably killed him. <laughs> mm. It's always kind of the open question of, like, do they ultimately not because it feels like killing a helpless person? Right. But, like, but is he helpless? Because he hasn't, like, performed. He's just mm-hmm. impotent. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is what Giles says. Like, oh, we wouldn't feel right just killing you now. <laughs> hmm. Right. He doesn't he say harmless creatures mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Basically just underlying the fact that you, you can't do anything, Spike. Mm-hmm. But they, I guess, yeah, I was going to say they have him chained up and they remembered that so he doesn't leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It's very, I don't know. It's a very good episode. That's all I really have to say about <laughs> it. I just, I always enjoy that one because it's funny. Yeah. Um, the way that they do all the setups and then, and then there's some decent foreshadowing for mm-hmm. down the road. It's, yeah. it's not, it doesn't feel like a filler episode. Right. It's like both entertaining and also laying and laying a lot of groundwork, but also kind of like tying up things that have been floating around. I do like we get a little bit of insight into Anya's past as well. That's true. Yeah. I didn't yeah, mention with her the whole at all. Ta- to Hoffman thing. Like, like we learned she wasn't always a demon. She mm-hmm. was human and then became a demon mm-hmm. for a long time. And then now she's human again. I guess she, I guess the idea she was a demon for long enough that she kind of forgot what it was like to be human. Mm-hmm. They always kind of play a little fast and loose with that, but um, we get a little bit of, like, background story for Anya, which is always welcome. And we get another, I think, pretty classic, like, Buffy interaction where, so Willow's been, you know, kind of kidnapped by DeHoffrin, and she's in this other realm or other dimension or something, and he's, like, giving her this whole spiel, and she's, like, turns him down, and you can tell that she's being very careful because she doesn't want to, like, get killed because she says no to him, and then he's, but his reaction is, like, all right, well, see you later. <laughs> like, he doesn't yeah. care at all. Fair enough. <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's, but that's also, like, a very Buffy, you know, Whedon thing to do of, like, set up this thing that seems really scary, and it turns out, like, he's just a normal guy. <laughs> he just happens to be a demon. 
<clears throat> he's a reasonable guy. He yeah, he doesn't wants care. you to join his team, and, <laughs> yeah. but he's not going to force you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is a great episode. I loved it. Would watch again. One thing that happened when I was watching it is when they were walking in the graveyard and Willow has that weird poncho on. Oh, yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> Boo started barking at the TV. <laughs> you think it was like, the poncho? Just out of poncho. nowhere. Yeah. It was like, I was like, yeah, I know, buddy. I don't like you either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that just reminded me of another just like, yeah. I mean, li- again, literally everything about the Spike and Buffy wedding is hilarious. But like when they're ch- getting chased down by demons because they're now with Xander, who's a demon magnet. And she like sees a grave, um, mon- what are those called? Mausoleum that she thinks she's like, oh, this will be a great place for wedding pictures. Then when she starts fighting the demon, she's like, watch the foliage or something like that. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know they got a lot of planning done in they did yeah they were talking about guest lists they were talking about invitations when beneath my wings yay or nay (laughs) you know deep down that's that's like Buffy's secret wedding song absolutely I think that's the idea yeah that's why Spike (laughs) used it as like a weapon against her at the end I do love that moment that she and Willow have afterwards. Like, Willow's trying to apologize, and Buffy hasn't even realized, like, the extent of everything. And then she's just like, oh, my God, Riley. Yeah. (laughs) They are all a little understanding with Willow about this because I think they realize she didn't do it on purpose. I mean, and maybe Um, at that point they're accepting a little bit, too, that, like, well, they could have been more supportive. Yeah. Make this not happen. Yeah. But I, I do like that this is, like, an episode where, you know, we've had, um, like, like with Pang, Spike was obviously there, but he mm-hmm. wasn't, like, like, this is, like, he's, he's, he's fully integrated yeah. in the action here. Yeah. And it's just a good sign, I think, of yeah. things to come. So, yeah. Claire, what do you think about Spike being back? In, in general? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I love, I love this season, because... I, I, well, I mean, I've said this before, but I like Spike as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's funny. He brings a lot of comedy to the show. And, and the, he, like, his whole demeanor, his whole way of speaking, it's, he causes trouble. And even then, you're just kind of like, okay, but you can stick around. Yeah. <laughs> later, when he starts living in that mausoleum, and it's so creepy the way he has it set up. And I just, I mean, I don't know. I just think he's like, definitely add something to the show. Yeah. So I think it's just, I can totally see why they brought him back. Yeah. I mean, you have to have on Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you have to have a resident vampire, I think. That's a good point. Um, and he's definitely more interesting in some ways than Angel. Well, he's kind of Cordelia and Angel rolled into one. Yeah. You know, he's the truth teller who's kind of like, not oblivious, but doesn't care about other people's feelings. But then he's also a vampire who, you know, but without all the brooding. Yeah, so he is kind of like a new and improved angel. <laughs> in some ways. Not in all ways, obviously. Well, yeah, he's it's interesting the way that they did it with him, right? Functionally, not, yeah. Yeah, he's not a good person. Mm-hmm. But he can't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. So that... That's why he gets to stick around. Yeah. And, he's and he also a, gets to be a comedic addition in a way that Angel couldn't. Because right. Because he was like yeah. way too intense and brooding. Yeah. And, um, and we'll talk about that element of Angel in the next episode because. Yes. It's an interesting thing. But. Um, uh, so, okay. Sorry. This is just a weird James Marsters side note. I watched a couple episodes of Marvel's The Runaways like a couple nights ago. Oh, I was just going to ask if anyone had watched that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, it's so jarring because James Marsters is in it. James Marsters is American, but I have literally, I think I have only seen him in Buffy. And he's just so much spiked to me that like, obviously I'm happy that he has other work, but he plays an American guy and he speaks with an American accent and it, I could, almost couldn't get past it. I was like, uh. And it sounds fake, right? It does. <laughs> Why aren't you using a real yeah. voice? Oh, this is your real it's voice. It's the same every time I hear um, Alexis Denisoff oh. in his American accent because I thought he was British for the longest British time. I British too. <laughs> he's not. He's but not then, wait, he's not really British? No. I really thought he was. And then oh. whenever he showed up on like How I Met Your Mother, I was like, this is just, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> oh, I just always thought he was just doing an American accent. Yeah, me no, too. he's from America. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Oh. Um, but no. si- other, other than that, the character that um, James Marshall is playing is a very like, he's not Spike-like, but it feels appropriate. He's like a pretty, he seems like a really mean guy. I have not watched that show, so... Hmm. I mean, so far... Well, he's it, supposed to be evil, yeah. Yeah, so far it gets a... It's okay. I haven't watched it. I read some of the comics, but I haven't um, gotten around to watching the show, although I I was intrigued. It's like the people who did the OC, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, they did OC and Gossip Girl, I think. Oh. And, um, yeah, and now the runways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. Are we ready to move on to Hero? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... So who volunteered for the recap of Hero? <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> so in, you know, this episode, Hero is coming off the tale of I will remember you. So Angel is in his full brooding state because he is upset about, you know, almost getting to live happily ever after with Buffy and then having to turn it down. Um, so Cordelia is like, Trying, you know, she's kind of both trying to cheer up Angel and also trying to drum up business because, like, he's been very not active in that regard. So she tries to convince him to, like, shoot a commercial for them. <clears throat> and instead, she ends up, like, shooting it with Doyle. Um, and then her and Doyle just kind of keep hang- hanging out and, like, bonding a little bit more. Um, Angel fi- does finally confess to Doyle what happened and how he lost that day and all of the things. And they sort of have this conversation about, you know, what makes a hero and knowing when you have, when you're faced with the tough choice or something like that. Um, but Doyle gets another vision and it shows him some demons that seem to be like running away from something. Um, so Angel and Doyle go to investigate and they find Bracken demons. Sure. That's what we're going to call them. Um, like the scourge are the bad guys. Okay. So they find some demons, like a group of them that are on the run and hiding and they explain that they're half humans and that they're running from this group of like militant purist demons called the Scourge. Um, and that they are trying to get to this island where they think they can have refuge. Um, <clears throat> they also mention that they think Angel is this like prophesied one who's going to save them from the Scourge. Uh, and so anyway, so Doyle and Angel obviously decide to help them. And Doyle finally reveals kind of the last bit of his backstory, which is that he he's run into the scourge before and that when right after he found out that he was half demon, another one of his kind approached him and said, Hey, we really need, we're like a different group of demons, but of his, I forget what kind of demon Doyle is. Um, anyway, basically in the same scenario, ask him for shelter so that they can hide from the scourge and he turns them away. And then later on gets his first vision and it leads him to them where he finds out that they've all been slaughtered. Um, so this time around, you know, he's kind of determined not to do the same thing and not to make the same mistake. 
so he, Angel, and Cordelia all kind of make this plan to help get these, you know, Bracken demons onto a cargo ship that's going to take them where they need to go. Part of this plan involves Angel going undercover as one of the Scourge <laughs> in one of the more questionable parts of the episode. <laughs> but he does find out that they have sort of this like Death Star weapon that's going to kill anything that has human blood in it and that they've been betrayed by one of the shipmates. And so the Scourge know where the um, Brackens are going to hide. So it kind of ends in this big showdown. You know, they're all in this cargo, you know, container for the ship. Um, the weapon gets lowered down and it starts going off and Angel decides that he's going to nobly sacrifice himself to in order to power it down. And instead, at the last minute, Doyle punches him in the face and decides that he's going to do it. So he, like, kisses Cordelia and jumps on and heroic. And he does, you know, kind of heroically sacrifice himself to stop this weapon from going off so that these people can escape. Um, and that's the end of Doyle. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I think they gave him a good exit, at least. I agree. Um, I, I do think the payoff is a little bit mitigated by the fact of who Doyle mm -hmm. was the whole time. But I... I love this episode and the way it comes together. I agree. I was going to, I think oh, this is a very good episode for me. And yeah, as much as I could have cared about Doyle, I think they succeeded in pulling that off. I do obviously wish this had been a better care, a better developed character along the way. But I think this, especially if you had just watched this episode, I think it's a great episode. I think it's a good angel episode. It's a good, like kind of Buffy universe episode. And it has like a pretty good arc. Yeah. And I love the way that it's all set up really neatly like you know angel mm -hmm. i love that angel confides in doyle about mm -hmm. what happened like it kind of shows growth for angel yeah like that that's what i said not keeping that to himself yeah mm -hmm, and that I'm... um but i love that it also sets up this idea of like doyle learning from angel what being a hero really means mm -hmm. and then to immediately give him a way to like apply that mm -hmm. you know in in you know in a suicide mission essentially but that it really like kind of dovetails really well and then also like that final scene where they're watching the video yeah, of Doyle, I think is just super like well done and poignant and mm -hmm. like just have that I moment agree. of like, yeah. am I done? And it's that little beat of silence right after yeah. it is like, it just rips your heart out. It does. Every time. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they definitely made me sad by the end, you know, for the way that, again, it's like, it's so bizarre because I've been so annoyed with him this whole time. <laughs> but yeah, I think this episode just like really succeeds and they do give him a genuinely heroic moment. He does make a really big sacrifice and it is sad to kind of watch the effect on the people that he's now grown close to, you know, I think so that's I the part. My question is like, did he really need to do that though? Because, I mm. um, Angel's in the room where they demonstrate that weapon and it like kills that human, but Angel's totally fine. You know, I, I think the impl I had some of these same questions. I think the implication is that the weapon wasn't fired up all the way yet when Angel saw it and oh, that they, okay. that guy got, they got him very close to it. So I think, yeah, like technically they're, all those guys are in the room when the weapon starts. Like Cordelia's in the room what, the second time that it goes yeah. off. And you think she's not, it's not, when it gets up to full speed, yeah, it would kill all of them. But at that moment, you have to be closer to it. Yeah. I think. So I did a little more like investigating into why yeah. they did this because yes. I was, I kind of had a vague idea. Like I had read some stuff before and we've talked about it a little mm -hmm. bit. But so it, it's still kind of unclear like what happened. So, Joss Whedon's party line has always been that he always intended to kill Doyle. Mm -hmm. 
because he uh. likes the idea. It's like what he wanted to do with Jesse in um, the pilot oh, of Buffy. Right, he yeah. wanted to put him in the opening credits and then kill him, but he didn't put him in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I guess the network wouldn't let him do that. But he, So he always wanted to kill someone that was, like, in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet he's a huge fan of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he he's saying that that's what he wanted to do. But then also he's also said that ultimately Doyle became a problem of as a character because Angel as a character is really broody and really intense and Doyle's kind of the same way. Mm -hmm. So they had like this very similar energy where it was getting really hard to write for both of those Mm -hmm. characters. And like, obviously Angel wins because it's his show. Mm -hmm. And so they just, they, they decided to write off Doyle and then bring in Wesley as like more comedic and like the Mm -hmm. energies that they play off are a little bit different. And I think Doyle was originally supposed to be Whistler. He was that. Yeah. Yeah. Who we met in, um, uh, becoming. Mm hmm the one yeah yeah and um so but for whatever reason they cast a different person but and it's like a different demon but I guess so he's he's saying that the idea was always that he intended to do it but then there's also this undercurrent of you know obviously the actor who played Doyle was known to have some like addiction problems and you know perhaps some like mental like um concerns as well like just kind of depressed and so he would either show up on set like depressed or high or mm-hmm. you know and not really a, but but apparently the consensus is everybody loved him so like they made a lot of excuses for him and like this is all rumors that I found online yeah yeah <laughs> um so that they were always never willing to talk badly about him even after like he left so mm-hmm. it's like they kind of so agreed like, to say that other so stuff. only the people who like worked on it really know like why this happened yeah. but Joss Whedon has multiple like multiple times gone on the record as saying like he always intended to kill off Doyle yeah I just don't buy that I'm sorry <laughs> I feel like it's probably like, somewhere in the middle of both of those things though because I, I go ahead Claire like sorry maybe the timeline got sped up a little bit I think I think it's a situation where and you can tell the first few episodes you've talked about this before with the character of Kate who just kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of unevenness and you can tell they're trying a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it can be all of those things. But I think if Doyle was originally intended to be Whistler, I'm confused why they wouldn't just recast the character because they look close enough that they could easily have done that. And I think as an audience... like You're going to cut them slack. Yeah, especially yeah. as a new show. And so they didn't do that. So they make Doyle into this character. And I think they always tried to make him kind of a comedian as well as this like dark and broody guy. So they could easily have just gone in a different direction with his character. Mm -hmm. And I just think if they were always going to kill, maybe they were always thinking like, maybe we'll kill him after a season, but they, I mean, they get nine episodes in and then they kill him. Yeah. And I just, that to me just reads that it wasn't like mid season finale. It wasn't like, you know, just like, like when did this air probably like around Thanksgiving. Mm hmm. Or December. I, I don't know. I just, I just to me, it, it reads as very sudden. And I think there was probably a lot going on behind the scenes. And, you know, it may not have been the cast and crew's decision. It might have come from higher up. And mm. I, I, I just feel like if they were always going to kill him, they didn't do a lot with his character. So, yeah. <laughs> it just felt like they were just throwing spaghetti at the wall. And then they were like, you know what? This character is not really working. Because then they bring in Wesley, who is dark and depressing and has his own baggage like but not at the not immediately yeah (laughs) yeah I don't know I just don't buy 
I don't buy the explanation fully, I guess. Because I remember when I first started watching Angel, I think, Allie, you've talked about this. It came on in, like, the middle of the night. And yeah. The, the first episode I watched, have you guys done this one yet with, like, the, the exorcism? Nope. Nope. No. And I'm not looking forward to it. I don't yeah, remember it that well. That is such a creepy episode. So oh, creepy. I guess I kind of do. Oof. And imagine so, being, like, a, like 13 and watching that <laughs> at, like, 2 a.m., <laughs> Oh, so creepy. Yeah. But anyway, like that episode doesn't have Doyle in it. It's because it's a, it's not, um, it might be a late season one episode. Yeah. So, yeah. and then, and then I went back and I watched, I know I watched the Buffy episode, but I, I didn't watch them in order. Mm-hmm. And I remember not realizing that Doyle was the main character. Oh, interesting. Until, until I went back and started watching it from the beginning. And then I remember thinking, okay, he clearly dies. Like, why is he here? If that's why, why, like, like, I just remember thinking, why did they do that? (laughs) Cause it's not a Ned Stark situation where you fully realized and developed a character and then it doesn't have any impact when you have someone who Mm -hmm. seems like a different character. Yeah. It just, it reads more as like, they didn't know what they were doing. And I think this show, I, I mentioned this maybe to you, Allie, is like, first season at least the first half is very uneven i think seasons two and three are really good and then it just totally jumps the shark um to me anyway but i just think it's it's one of those things where it just you kind of get the idea that they wanted to experiment a lot with the show and a lot of those experiments didn't really work out mm-hmm. anyway all that's to say i i'm more inclined to believe there was a problem with the actor I mean, I, that's the impression that I got from the much less research that I did. Yeah, I think ultimately, like, if he's not showing up on time and he doesn't know his lines, it's going to be hard to justify keeping him around, especially when it's not as though the character is, like, working so well. So I kind of agree with what Claire's saying, which is that, like, honestly, it's probably all of those reasons. You know, I I, I definitely believe that... I do believe that Joss Whedon wanted to kill off a character and thought maybe this is the time that he was powerful enough in his own show to get that done, you know, when he couldn't do it before. So, like, that part does make sense to me, but I... And and because we know that he's going to kill off a bunch more people before the end of both of these shows. <laughs> you know, the run, like, run the of the shows. Like that, that, the uh, difference is when he does kill off those people, it matters exactly. in a way that, like, it's, honestly, Doyle's death... Like, as poignant as this episode was, in the big picture of things, it's still a little bit of, like, a who cares moment. Because especially in this watch through, like, we've hated Doyle from day one. And, like, it's almost like a thank God, like, kind of situation of, like, good riddance. Because, and and the the impact is, like, minimal, mm -hmm. honestly. But that is exactly what I was going to say, is that, like, the so I believe that that was maybe his original conceit. But, yeah, the way that this one ultimately pans out, it's clear that they didn't have enough time to, to get him where he needed to be to make this much more impactful because I think that this his death is impactful in the episode like again if this were the only episode I had ever seen I would care about him dying but I obviously wouldn't care the way that I think you're kind of meant to or that they would hopefully get you there eventually and the way that you're going to feel later about other characters who are much more inherent like intrinsic to the show yeah and I think this is something that we've talked about before with Jesse in the first episode Mm -hmm. of Buffy is like I get this cool idea of like, oh, I'm going to put him in the credits or yeah, he's yeah. going to stick around and then I'm going to kill him. But like, you have to make the shift from like red shirt to character, right? Mm-hmm. So like when you do it too early or you haven't given the character enough attention, like it's just a red shirt going out in the field and like, you know, dying in battle and like, eh, okay. But like, if you care, then it means more. Like we had to remind ourselves in the first season of Buffy that like Xander had lost a friend. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know? <laughs> 
Because it was so easy to forget that because they all move on. The show moves on yeah. so quickly. <laughs> and, like, you you have to kind of remember, like, oh, this thing happened. But, like, it doesn't – like, the cheap thrill is there. But, like, the overall impact, I think, gets diminished mm-hmm. a little bit. And, and and that's not quite what happened here. But, like, I think I think maybe they were going to kill him off in the first season at some point. But, like, it, the timeline got shifted because mm-hmm. the actor was problematic that's what or I something. Think. I mean, yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's hard to talk about this when it's all, like, rumors and, like, obviously this actor has since passed away. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but it is always, like, that open question of, like, what happened here? Mm-hmm. So, and it did impact the storyline, you know? It I does. Mean, and I think it only gets better from here. Right. But, like, the first nine episodes were just so uneven. I, I, like, think, I think we've had well, two or three that we really liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and honestly, I think it, it works out for the best. Right. I was just going to say, Yeah. It gives Cordelia something to do. Yeah, right. And we haven't even talked about well, because we're not. We see at the end what happens. (laughs) Yeah, well, because we do see you do see like when he kisses her, like something happens, Mm -hmm. but we we haven't gotten to what yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought it was really funny when she was like, "You're a demon." And she was like, why would I care about that? You're already short and poor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and she points out, like, I work for a vampire. I work for a vampire, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I liked that scene. I I liked the way that she executed that. I liked what it brought out in Cordelia, which is that we know that she is superficial, but ultimately not about, maybe not about things that matter. Or at least that's kind of like the dressing that she puts on herself, but I don't think she really cares about any of those things. I mean, at the end of that scene, she says, like, let's go out on a date, essentially. So... You know, even, yeah, I don't know. Well, I think she's just realizing that she doesn't care about that stuff. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, but, no, I mean, I do think, like, ultimately, we'll, and as we watch the next handful of episodes in Angel, like, we'll see the, like, the impact is good. I think, I think you, you're both right. Like, ultimately, this put the show in a good direction and um, eventually opens the door for, like, more characters. Um, but... I think, like, for now, it's, like, we have a cast of three, and we've just cut it by a third. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, just to talk about the episode itself a little bit more, it's interesting, because I think, you know, on the one hand, like, this particular metaphor is maybe not one that's, like, so... Like, it's not super unique, I guess, but I... You mean Nazi demons? Yeah, well, I guess Nazi demons is fairly unique. But yeah, I mean, this obviously what the the metaphor is obviously about refugees of some kind, you know, whether it's a stand in for it could be a stand in for a million things. And as much as I wanted to feel a little bit cynical about like how on the nose that is, it's also like continues to be relevant, you know, like obvious. I think that they're probably modeling it on Nazis and Germany, but I think it's not hard to kind of see this through a hundred different other lenses and many of them are contemporary, you know? So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just saying that like sad though it is that this continues to be a relevant story to tell. It is still a relevant story to tell. And I I thought that that part of the episode also, it did work for me, you know? I I mean, like are these, are these demons a little, the scourge are a little over the top, but also like people with extreme views are over the top. So, you know, it's like, it's hard to really point fingers at this being too cliched or too corny because it really does feel like, those are things that humans say in the real world. So I can't fault the episode for that. Yeah. I mean, I can think- I ask a question? Yeah. Cause I, I felt like I didn't understand this watching the episode. Were all of those demons half human? The ones that they were saving. Yes. 
And so that's why they wanted to get rid yes. of them. Okay. It, they I wasn't kind of, clear to me that they were all half They human. spoke it pretty quickly, and I think it was kind of, that it was kind of poorly introduced. But yes, they were supposed to be half demon. Okay. Then yeah, it makes like more that, sense. Mm-hmm. That boy made a reference that his mother could pass, um, pass as human. Yeah. Um, although the one thing that really, the Scourge guy is like, why the hell did they let Angel into their group in like the span of a couple hours <laughs> only to reveal? I mean, I guess cause they were going to kill him anyway with that weapon. I don't know. Yeah. But it was just like, he didn't really do much to convince them that he should be part of it. And like two seconds later, they have a uniform for him. I don't know. That was a little bit like, you guys are very good tacticians. Like, obviously he's a spy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and they seem yeah. totally shocked by it, too. Yeah. That was a little bit sloppy. Yeah. But he has to get in the room somehow to of witness course. the weapon. Yeah. yeah. It had This whole episode did have a bit of a, like, Star Wars feel to it, it did. I think. <laughs> it was like, you basically have, like, stormtroopers and a yeah. Death Star yeah. and, like, a, <laughs> they had a, a lot of technology. <laughs> yeah. I, I was kind of surprised. Well, I mean, and that's actually kind of, this is uh, something that Alex pointed out. Like, at the end of the episode, it's not clear if that was the only one of those weapons that they had or not. You know, they kind of don't really mention the Scourge again, at least not meaningfully. Like, I guess now that they're done, they, yeah, they saved these people, but it's clear that the Scourge are going after... They, they, they well, they didn't, didn't defeat the scourge. Exactly. They just turned off the weapon. Turned it off. They, I mean, presumably they destroyed that one, but they might have others. Yeah. Or even if they don't have others, they clearly have the designs to build more. Uh, seems like that should be well, a bigger and, concern. And the scourge kind of just go off into the night. Yeah, so. they didn't even really kill most of them. Yeah. Mm, sloppy. Sloppy guys. It was like a very elaborate setup just to get Doyle to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, anyway. Yeah. Um, I did want to point out on a different note, did any everybody else catch Sean Gunn as Doyle's cousin? No. No. Oh, I, you know, from, I meant to look him up. Who is it? Who? He's Kirk from uh, Gilmore Girls. Oh, I heard yeah. his voice. I was like, oh, my God, I know that guy's voice, and I'm going to look it up when we finished, and then I forgot to. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also, he's been in the Guardians of the Galaxy Yeah, movies, yeah. Because his brother directed them. Oh, but, I didn't know that. But I, yeah. I thought he was good in those movies. Yeah, he was. Mm. Um, but that's who that was. I was like, Kirk! That's so funny. Okay, I knew he sounded familiar, and I, I, but I couldn't place it. Yeah. Mm. There's going to be some actors showing up on this season of Angel. Like, I, I saw, like, um, I was, like, going through, like, some of the, when I was doing some of the investigation for um, mm-hmm. this episode about um, Glenn Doyle. Glenn, yeah. Like, you know, you like see like IMDb stuff or whatever. And I was like, there's one actor in particular. I was like, hold up. <laughs> but we'll get there. In a I'm excited because I don't know who it is. Yeah, you will in a couple weeks. Okay. <laughs> so, not, you know, just to plant a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think this is a good. A good, like, swan song. It is. And I do feel like, kind of like we were saying, I feel like from here on out, this show is going to pick up a little bit. You know, not only that they've kind of reworked it so that we don't have to deal with this kind of problematic character, but also it's going to bring Cordelia more into the fray and they're going to get to introduce new people. And I think that all of that stuff, I feel like it's going to not, maybe not be perfect from here on out, but be, I don't think we're going to be like complaining about it every week. (laughs) That's my recollection. 
I think it's a just a matter of like the first few episodes yeah, are a little I mean, bumpy, but it is they did have this odd habit of like introducing characters or threads and then just dropping them. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't seen Kate since her father's retirement. Yeah, party yeah. Thing. And that's a little odd considering she's been in a handful of episodes right. and Wolfram and Hart, like Yeah, where have they been? In and out <laughs> in a vague way, but like it's this interesting thread that they will pick up eventually, but like Right now, it's kind of frustrating that they keep introducing things and then we, like, never see them again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm ready for some more Consistency, yeah. Yeah. I think they just, I'm telling you, it's like spaghetti. Yeah. They just kept throwing it at the wall and they were like, ah, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because hmm. I feel like they just didn't know what they wanted this show to be. Like, do they want it to be, like, a detective show? Mm-hmm. Do they want it to be a crime procedural? Do they want it to be more um, nuanced than that? So they keep bringing in the characters you'd expect to see in all those different kinds of shows. Because mm-hmm. um, I think they wanted to get away from, like, Monster of the Week Buffy format. And then, I don't know, it just yeah. kind of works. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, well, um, next week <laughs> we're going to have um, Hush mm-hmm. and Big Buffy Day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Parting Gifts mm-hmm. for Angel. So we'll see a little bit more of the impact of Doyle's death. And welcome Wesley back to Yay. the universe. Yeah. Um, so, Claire, any final final thoughts on any of these? No, I, I enjoy, I mean, I enjoyed the Buffy episode. It's funny, I, I enjoyed the Angel one more than I thought I would, because the last time I watched it, I just, I was sort of like, ugh, okay, bye Doyle. Yeah. <laughs> then, then this one, I, I enjoyed watching it a little bit more. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't mail you croissants or something to make it worth your while but oh, those banana chocolate croissants are so good yeah last time I bribed her with pastries but <laughs> can't do that from the opposite coast uh, yeah but um yeah so does anybody have any uh pop culture recommendation I do okay um I'll try to keep this brief but um Janelle Monet released two singles last week maybe the week before um, one of them is called Make Me Feel, and one of them is called Django Jane, and they're really great. <laughs> she hasn't put out a new album in a, in a while, like, well, not like so long, but maybe it was like five years or so. The last album that she put out was like one of my favorite things, as are all the albums that she puts out. Um, but yeah, she, uh, I've liked her music since the first time that I was like introduced to it, and she in the past, all of her albums have been like concept albums about this like futuristic robot, uh, world. And I love robots. And there's also this like tragic robot love story that's woven into it, which I also love. Um, but also the music is like fun and great and it's fun to listen to. And it's also, you know, there's lots of real world politics kind of wrapped into that. But anyway, she's got two new songs out. I can't wait for the new album. It's called Dirty Computer. Uh, and she released videos out with both of those songs and the videos are really great too. Like there's just so many great lines in it. Um, but what I, from my understanding is that this album is going to be a departure from the like concept album format. So I look forward to that. I don't know. They're very fun. Make me feel like it is a song that Prince contributed to and it like literally sounds like a Prince song and it's so, so fun. And the other one is a lot more like kind of a straightforward, like rap hip hop song, but, um, they're both great. Highly recommend. 
I'm going to check that out because I was watching, I watched a clip of one of the videos, but I got interrupted. Mm. I was like, oh, I need to come back to Yeah. This. But they're really, the videos are fun, the songs are fun, and I keep listening to them on repeat because there's, the whole album's not out. I'm <laughs> getting a little bit like, I'm like, okay, I need the whole thing now because I'm getting, I can't keep doing this, but that's my recommendation. Or even if you don't check out those songs, you should check out her other albums. Um, the Arc Android is the first full length one that she did, to my knowledge. And then Electric Lady was the last one. That one is, I mean, they're both great, especially if you like robots, <laughs> but also <laughs> especially if you like uh, good female musicians. <laughs> <laughs> I like all of that stuff. Okay. I'm going to check that out. Okay. Yeah. Claire, do you have anything? Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I really have is I've been getting back into the My Favorite Murder podcast. Oh. I don't know if you guys listen to that. I haven't, but I only listened to the one about Selena. <laughs> it was a good episode. It's really good, and yeah. I, when it first came out, I listened to it all the time, and I kind of burned out on it a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, they've also started touring a lot, and for podcasts, live shows are just twice as long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually don't love live podcast episodes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's hard. So I skipped all the live shows, and then I don't always listen to the mini episodes um, where they're reading the stories that people write in. But Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, the last couple weeks I started listening to it again, and I went back and listened to all the episodes I had skipped, and I'm I'm hooked all over again. It's, um, I I mean, I like, I think, true crime as much as the next person. You know, I've I've enjoyed it. few episodes of Dateline in my life but the way that they explain these stories they do they just make it funny like it's it's not funny subject matter mm-hmm. but you find yourself laughing through it and I did see them live when they came to Boston um and it was a really good show but um I've just been getting back into that mm-hmm. and it's you know it's nice when you're spending six hours ripping apart a chair yeah <laughs> something that on in the background through, right? go by fast yeah Okay. I've, yeah, I listened to the one and I really liked it, so I should, I should, I should check out more. There's, there's one that you should listen to, and I wish I could remember what episode number it is. It's one of the. I want to say it's in like the first twenty that they did. I could be totally wrong, and I wish because they don't have the titles don't really mean anything. Mm, um, okay. Like the one from that I listened to the other day was called like Breakfast Wine. You know, it's just like <laughs> yeah, they'll yeah. say something funny and then they just like that's make the, that title. the title of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, there's one that is not a murder story. It's actually an I survived. Um, oh. The woman like actually did survive this. It, she should have not mm-hmm. survived. I mean, what happens to her is brutal. Mm-hmm. That was like the first episode that I listened to where I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm hooked." Okay. So, I'd give it I'd give it a try okay. and um, you know, they can get long. Like the first few episodes you have to get through like 20 minutes of just them talking to each other about nothing. I mean, we would Sounds never like do this that. Podcast. <laughs> oh god, yeah, what a it's... terrible format for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they it takes them a while to rein that in like the first few episodes they literally spend like 25 minutes just talking but um we get past like that it's really... that we did that just today in this episode <laughs> i don't think it, it was all recorded 25. yeah <laughs> um anyway i hi- i highly recommend that and they've got a lot of episodes now yeah um so but i'm at the point now where there's not too many i haven't listened to so. okay hmm Cool. Allie, what about you? 
I think I'm just going to, I think half the world has already seen it, but I'm just going to put out there, everybody go see Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Because oh, we were talking so about good. that. Yeah, it was really good. So I support oh, you know, that. It was good. We watched good. Lady Bird this morning. Mm. Yeah, I liked that. I didn't like it as much as I That's was how expecting I felt. to because like it was, <laughs> I think, overhyped, but like, I think that like, not overhyped as in like it didn't live up to it. It's just like, I think everybody was just like, this is amazing. And I was yeah. like, it was good. But like, yeah, I think all yeah. the Oscar movies suffer from that. Um, like we watched Get Out last night, which Ryan had seen, but I hadn't seen yet. And I really enjoyed it. But I, I mean, I wasn't like, oh, agree to disagree. I think that one lived up to the hype for me. Well, I think for me, though, so it came out a year ago, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to watch it when it came mm-hmm. out, and Ryan watched it without me, which means I'm. it's going to take me a while, yeah. we watch a lot of our movies together, right. so I was like, oh, when am I going to watch this? And by the time I watched it yesterday, I knew the twist. Uh, yeah, okay. So I knew what was going to, and so I think that, I think if you don't know what's going on, you just, your mind would be totally blown. But I, I was just, I knew enough where I was like, oh, I see this. Oh, okay. Oh, cool, clever. You know, yeah. I felt like I was more like analyzing it because everyone had said how good mm-hmm. it was. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed it. But yeah. I, I struggle with that with Oscar movies. Like somebody yeah. will tell you this is like the best movie you've ever seen. And then you watch it. And you're just kind of like, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I guess I normally feel that about stuff too. I think Get Out and Shape of Water for me are the two where it's like, they're specifically mining things that I always want to be in movies and so it's like it's not even it's not so much that it was like hyped up and lives up to it or doesn't as that they're like literally putting things on screen that I always want to see and never get to and it's just I don't know I feel like Jordan Peele is was pulling from a lot of like horror and thriller and comedy stuff that I also really like and so it's like getting to kind of see him remix those things was very satisfying that was also one though that was funnier than I thought it would be it's also one that was surprisingly more fun I think to see in a theater because kind of the way that that movie concludes like it was very fun to be in a crowded theater where everybody was like all for it like it was that was a fun one to be with you know with with people for because I think it kind of helped you get a little bit hyped into it more too it's like Black Swan I saw that in the theater and I was about to like lose my mind. <laughs> because you can feel everyone around yeah, you yeah, just like on the edge like of their nice, seat yeah um I can I can totally see that. I mean, Black Panther was kind of like that too. Mm-hmm. You know, the energy in the room was great. Mm-hmm. I remember Jenny and I saw Black Swan, and when we came home, our roommate too. said he was going to put black feathers everywhere. <laughs> I think Fortunately, about that all didn't. the time for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. Oh, we saw that at the Kabuki <laughs> Theater, didn't we? I think so. Yeah, I like that. Back place. when it was still good. Oh, is it not good now? It's it got bought by AMC oh, and it has gone downhill. Ugh, that sucks. Yeah. Plus now it's they're not the only ones. Extremely. Yeah, they're not the only ones that serve alcohol anymore. Or and like sell, it's have extremely. Yeah, yeah, and it's just badly managed, I yeah. think, and it's just upsetting. But that's too bad. Um, okay, so I think this week I'm Team Doyle. I was thinking about that. I think I'm gonna be. I'm team never gonna want to do it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be Team Spike because he was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to be Team Spike, too. <laughs> I think he stole the show, he did. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. All, All right. right. Well, Claire, thanks again for calling in. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. Love and talking about Spike. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as always, I think we talked about Spike for an extra 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Jenny, I'll talk to you next time. Yes. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie, 
And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. 